Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating. It helps other people find us. We have all of the series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about wildly improbable events at Wrigley Field and the fact that you could hear the crowd react at the best of moments at my apartment eight blocks away. Uh, And I'm here with the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? I am flying high today, Sarah. Um, I'm. I just had the best night last night. I was over at uh, Club 400 out in Lake in the Hills, Stuart McVicker's fan award-winning fan cave, and the guest of honor last night. Well, there were many, but the guest of honor was Joe Madden, um, who I didn't realize how much I missed him until I saw him again because the philosophy of Joe is inspiring and we haven't seen it in a while. And I would say this, we've all got a little tired of it. And now I'm like, Oh damn, that was good. It's like, you don't know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And Oh my God, Joe Madden is just one of the most interesting dudes that ever lived. So uh, I got to sing him a song like coom dog well, Ron Coomer was the interviewed him. So I got to go up there and we, I sang a Hey Jude parody uh, called Thanks, Joe. And I, me and Crawley passed out um, all the sheets. Crawley printed them up for me and we passed out, uh, you know, 100 sheets to the couple hundred people that were there. We all sang together, you know, the end. Na, 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 na. Thanks, Joe. John Benedict on keys just killed it. Everybody saying thank you it was such a cathartic, beautiful moment. I couldn't believe it. And then, like, top it off, like, Jody Davis and Bobby Dernier are just there, like, lurking around behind the stage where I am. We're hanging out with them, like, just hilarious guys. I mean, um, uh, what's his name? Bruce Levine was hanging out, um, a couple other people. But, man, what an event. If you've never been to a Club 400 event, that was one of the best ones I've ever been to. And you just got to go sometime because it's not only a museum, but you really get to be in close with a lot of the players and um, in this case, the manager, but what a great night I'm flying high. Um, The Cubs, you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat or however that phrase goes. No, that's how it goes. And that's what it was. And man, Oh man. I just, well, let's uh, go back to Joe Madden before we talk about the White Sox thing really fast, just because I am, he's been on a bunch of like, he's been doing a spot on MLB now and like a, handful of interviews on MLB network lately. And I agree with you 110%. Every time I see him, I'm like, I miss that guy. He's great. And I think about just how in tune he was with the players and his philosophy of, you know, you're not, not taking things too seriously and making sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. You have a good process and that it's a long season and you're not out there just like it's hard work. We got, we got to work hard every day. And I, I understand why, that doesn't last forever. And I also 
to this day, I'm adamant that fans did not appreciate what they had in Joe Madden. And frankly, uh, I don't know that management did either. Like the, it's not like the players played that much better for stickler David Ross. Like, yeah, hard nose, <laughs> anyway. but you know, hard, hard nose baseball guy. Yeah. Well, and and I can't wait to read the book. That was one of the the swag presents, you know, that it your ticket always comes with, you know, quite a bit of cool swag. And one of the uh, the prizes was a um, his new book, which is called. I'm looking at it. It's like what's it called? Oh, just the book of Joe. Of course it is, you know, because it, it should be a, it, in the Bible. And then um, the other thing was a game seven laminated uh, lineup card. With, I love that. Yeah, with signed by Joe Madden. And so it's, and normally I give everything I get away. And I mean everything, bobbleheads, anything I get at Wrigley. I, it flows right through me. I give it away as a prize for the Sun Ranzo show or at a Bleacher Bum Band concert. But this one, you know, I was at that game and, you know, I have no, really nothing from that game. I have my little ticket stub that I idiotically got signed by Tom Ricketts at another club for a darted event. I thought about bringing that on. I'm like, hey, Joe, could you sign like over Ricketts name real quick? <laughs> you know, Because you know, I made a mistake with this uh, member piece of memorabilia I owed. But but no, this one stays with me. This lineup card, I got to find a good I've got no room on my wall, but I'm going to find it. And like, I, j- you know, just hearing Joe Madden talk and. He did talk a little trash about, you know, some of like the the overuse of analytics as opposed to, you know, the people that are actually playing this game. I, you know, talked with went out there with Joe Kilgallen, a friend of ours and and very funny comedian, and he was hosting the night. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, that kind of. Well, you know, in what ways are stats predictive, you know, because you've got a whole army of people who just know every stat and know every hard hit rate and know everything. And I'm like, yeah, you're talking about what already happened that is measurable. I get it. We all understand math people, but there are people like Joe Madden that understand that these are real human beings that are playing a very difficult game at the highest level. And like, you know, and it takes a philosopher like Joe Madden to maybe not play this far behind your Pythag. <clears throat> well, Okay, it's really funny that you bring up the like stats predictive thing, because I think we would agree that I'm the more analytically inclined of the two of us. But this is the line from the piece I was writing uh, that dropped yesterday um, after the game we're going to talk about first, which is the Cubs absolutely incredible victory over the White Sox. But um, earlier this week, I waxed poetic a bit about ISO and Patrick Wisdom. Nick Madrigal is basically the opposite of Patrick Wisdom. He has an excellent contact tool and almost no power. But the thing about baseball stats is that they describe what has happened in the past. And while they give us a really good sense of the probability of a range of outcomes, they are not predictive. <laughs> yeah, says Nick Madrigal popping one into the basket. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's just start, let's just start there because, so Danny, I... I, I want to talk about the Crosstown Classic as an event, like as a baseball event that happens in the city. I also want to talk about the Crosstown Classic, the games that were happening, because I think they are two different things. Like yeah. I went to the game Tuesday night. I should not have gone to the game Tuesday night. Like I, I was missing baseball. I wanted to chill at Wrigley Field. I, it was a nice night. I had worked hard that day at my day job and I'd gotten a really fun piece out for 
Al the day before, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Wrigley Field. I'm going to get a last minute hit ticket for the Crosstown Classic, and I found one that wasn't wildly expensive, that was reasonably priced for like the 100s, and uh, I, I went. And as I'm sitting there, a few things became apparent real fast. Number one, this is not your standard Wrigley crowd. Like the standard Wrigley crowd has a few meatball fans who think every fly ball is a home run. But the vast majority of people who go to games at Wrigley Field do not think that. Like they they understand that you're supposed to watch the outfielder. They're paying attention to the game. You get a high intensity moment where there's two strikes or full count or whatever. And they're on their feet and they're doing the thing because they're, they're really smart fans, right? And they're paying attention to the game and they're into the game. And when the Cardinals come to town, their fans are as into the game as Cubs fans are. And there might be a little bit of ribbing. There might be a few people with like split jerseys and stuff, but it's not like mean. It's not like it, there's something about the environment at the Crosstown Classic that is, uh, I saw one of our friends from Cubs Twitter and I do not remember who it was. So I, I apologize that I cannot give you credit for this uh, great Cubs tweet, Twitter tweet say, all of the worst baseball fans in Chicago are at Wrigley Field right now. And I think that is true. Like, I think that the Crosstown Classic brings out the people that want to go to the game for a fight. They want to go to the game to yell scoreboard starting in the seventh inning and see if they can pick a fight. Like, I literally, as I was sitting there, heard the people behind me in the seventh inning say, we haven't seen a fight here yet. What's going on? And I'm like, holy Christ, that's not the goal of the baseball game. Oh God! It's like Dodgers Giants turning into Seriously. that. Seriously, and I'm like, stupid. I don't want that. Like, I I don't need that. I don't want that. And so Wednesday night, uh, I decided not to go. Went to dinner with our friend Ken Schultz, friend of the show. Uh, he's great. We had a great conversation. Uh, we called it. We had a little bit of a therapy session actually, because he's still, you know, pretty angry at Jed Hoyer for a bunch of things, and and I don't blame him. And I've gotten over that a little bit. I'm still very angry at Jed Hoyer, by the way. But my adoration and love of Mike Tuckman has helped soothe some of the pain that I was feeling um, over all of the Wilson Contreras stuff, whatever. Like that's a, that's an off season show, man. We could do a whole show just on Wilson Contreras, Mike Tuckman and my feelings. But so Ken and I were kind of talking through that. We we're having a really interesting conversation about it. Um, walked back as the game was zero, zero and Javier Assad and Mike Clevenger were both putting up just, you know, goose eggs on the board over and over again. And I was just, I was fine. I was like, you know, I'm fine. Like didn't go to the game. Not that big of a deal sitting on my couch, working on a story that uh, will probably go up next week, maybe the week after. Um, so we'll see what happens. There was a totally unrelated story to what happened in that game to what I ended up writing yesterday. And I heard this, you know, the, the Cubs are getting absolutely wiped out by Mike Clevenger of all people. It's three nothing. Jose Quas comes in. Bases are loaded. I'm like, this is a disaster. Luis <laughs> Robert is coming up. And then you got Johan Mancata and Andrew Vaughn. This is the heart of the lineup for the White Sox. It is the three, four, and five hitter. Like, yes, they traded a bunch of their guys away, but these three guys can actually hit a baseball and they have a bases loaded, no out situation. And Michael Fulmer is coming in to save the day. And here's the Did thing about Michael good. Fulmer. Did here's the thing good. about Michael Fulmer. And I will own this. I was one of the Michael Fulmer skeptics because I saw Michael Fulmer and what he was doing in May. And that man has looked much better 
since then. He's brought his ERA down from like nine point whatever it was in May. And now it's like a totally reasonable, like four and a half or five. And the only way that you can do that is by putting up like absolutely wonderful numbers for months and months on end. Michael Fulmer since May has been excellent. And also bases loaded, no out. Luis Robert coming to the plate is not a good situation for anyone. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then I hear this, I hear this like visceral yell from Wrigley. And if you have never been in the neighborhood during a packed Cubs game where something incredible has just happened, you may not know the sound I'm talking about. But luckily for us, Cubs Productions had a drone at Wrigley Field for the second game of the Crosstown Classic. And they recorded it. And Marquee Sports Network has a sound of just the crowd. And I am telling you, you can hear that sound all the way to the lake. Like, it is an incredible, incredible thing to be in this neighborhood on one of those nights where the sound wave from Wrigley hits your house before it's on the TV. And so I hear the sound. And I'm like, something good just happened. And Michael Fulmer strikes out Luis Robert on three pitches. And then... He strikes out Yoan Moncada on three pitches. And now I look up and he's got two strikes on Andrew Vaughn. He's throwing eight pitches. And I'm like, is it an immaculate inning? If some other guy loads the bases and you come in and strike out the side on nine pitches, or is that something else? Like, I'm not even sure what I would call that. It's like a more than immaculate inning. It's like a you undid the damage and it's immaculate. But anyway, it didn't matter because he threw a ball next. So he struck out the side on 11 pitches, Danny. I know Struck it was side on 11 pitches with the bases juiced. Well, and we were still losing at the time. So it's, it, and the, it's cool that the crowd was into it because, you know, the game was close. It just, we weren't winning it at, I, I believe. I think we, no, were, we were not. It was yeah, three nothing three at nothing, that moment yeah. in time. And this is what I'm talking about with Wrigley field being a great, great, magical, exceptional place, because that is not the type of thing that should get you that type of crowd noise. Right. Like, in that moment. So now I'm, I'm a little bit into the game and I'm like, ah, this is really cool. Like the Cubs are probably going to lose, but I can write a, I pivot. I go from the piece I was working on and I, I'm like, I'm going to write about this Michael Fulmer inning. Cause that's interesting, man. Like that's an unbelievable thing. And I just know the pitching ninja gift is eminent. And of course there it was. And then I hear a roar again. So it's still the commercial break and the crowd erupts. And I'm just like, what the hell? They're not coming back. And Nick, Madrigal hits a home run into the basket 20 seconds later on my TV. And I'm just like, Madrigal, first of all, I don't know why Madrigal's in this game at all. I'm like, what are we doing? I, I guess he was pinch hitting for Tucker Barnhart, which I'm fine with, but I'm like, you could pinch hit Jan Gomes for Tucker Barnhart. But David Ross is too smart for that. He used Jan Gomes to pinch hit for Mike Tockman during the summer of Mike Tockman, which uh. like, dude, bad vibes. Like, I know the Cubs won this game. Jan Gomes had very little to do with it. Leave Mike Tuckman in the game. What are we doing? Yeah, anyway, Gomes that's struck my, out. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's my know. that's my one complaint here. But Nick Madrigal <laughs> did not strike out. Nick Madrigal hit only the fourth home run of his career. Yeah, and you know, through injuries and whatnot, he's played multiple seasons, but he only has 765 plate appearances. And still, I was like, okay. Well, then two wildly improbable things have just happened. The Cubs are still losing. They're probably still gonna lose, but those are like baseball anomalies you know what I mean they're like the type of thing that just not only should they not happen in a game like they definitely shouldn't happen back to back in the same game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, these are not things that should happen 
So I crack my window open because uh, I want to be able to hear the crowd louder if anything good happens. And sure enough, in the bottom of the ninth, the Bellinger double off the wall. And I, I hear it and I'm like, there is no way. Did Cody Bellinger just go yard? And he didn't. But I'm like, at, at this point, the crowd is reacting so loudly that I'm just like standing watching my TV. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know, I'm a 30 seconds off what is going on. And when I heard the crowd for the home run, and truly, go find the marquee drone shot. It's in my story if you want a shortcut to it. But if you just go to at Watch Marquee on Twitter, you'll find it. You hear the roar. And as the ball leaves the park, there's a crescendo that is so loud. And I knew the sound because I was at the David Bodie Ultimate Grand Slam walk-off game. And it's so loud, you cannot hear Go Cubs Go when you're in the park. Like, it's just the crowd. It's just this visceral reaction from 40,000 screaming people who cannot believe what they just saw. And I'm like, there is no way Christopher Morrell did not just go yard. And there it was. And I just, Danny, I could still hear the crowd cheering when it happened on my screen. It was like a full minute of just oh, yeah. like, it was unbelievable. It was well, perfect. I, I, I tell you, I am so glad David Ross found a place to put Christopher Morrell after saying he could not find at bats for the man because, oh Christ. my God. Where would this team be without Christopher Morrell? Yeah, well, I mean, what's crazy is that, you know, the fans, knowing what they're looking at with somebody like Christopher Morrell, you know, but, well, he was in the, they were mad when he didn't break with the team, you know, and then this guy's just proven over and over and over again that, you know, no moment is too big for him. And, you know, the, the fans love him. Like it's my friend that runs a t-shirt company in the clutch. Uh, Billy DeVoy is a Reds fan, but you can still buy their shirts. They do Cubs stuff, but they've, you know, they've been making morel shirt after morel shirt. Cause they know this is a Reds. This is a Cincinnati company, but they've got a player's license and they're like, there's your star. They don't, they got like two Dansby Swanson shirts, our big free agent guy, you know, and then, Five morale shirts because like that's what actually sells because he's a freaking superstar. And star. um, and what I love about, you know, what you're talking about is, is uh, about the Wrigley crowd, which was absolutely electric. No time to get drunk and fight in this one, folks. But the win probability on baseball reference was like in the top of the eighth, by the end of the top of the eighth was 97 percent. White Sox win this game. Um, and uh, then it, Nick Madrigal took that down to only 90% chance of win after he put that ball in the basket. And then, of course, it dropped in the bottom of the ninth with Christopher Morell up. It, it dropped from about a 79% once you got runners on, a 79% win down to absolute zero <laughs> because you know it, it was you know nothing nothing kills your uh, game like a three-run homer and just like you know yeah the Bodie slam the the Hayward walk-off was another one like that and just you know what a, Montero's what a Montero's grand slam in the 2016 uh NLDS I have heard was similar a similar reaction I can't comment on that reaction because I was in Arizona I had just run a half marathon I was watching that one on TV uh, in Page, Arizona. But I, no, Danny, you're absolutely right. Those Coomer. are those are Coomer legendary. 
moments. Yeah, Coomer talked about it last night. He's like, my ears are still ringing from Montero's granny. You know, well, talking about 16. And let's, so I want to talk about some of the calls of this Morrell uh, home run. Because honestly, like, we could talk about the series. But like, frankly, the first game was bad. There's some elements we should talk about with like Javier Assad or whatever. But I really like, there's some really great Cubs content just in the calls from this game. And, and I want to get into it a little bit. So number one, uh, Len Casper calling the home run. <laughs> and if you have not listened to it yet, you need to go listen to it. And then listen to that side by side with the Aramis Ramirez walk off. You know the one, the yeah. one against the Brewers, the best Len Casper call of all time, where his voice cracks. He's like, absolutely losing his mind. Oh, baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can tell Len Casper wanted to be able to do the oh, baby call and he couldn't. Like he yeah. had to just deadpan it. He's a gone. White Sox guy yeah. now. <laughs> I know it was really a thing of beauty and you know, a, a lot of Cubs fans give Len crap about going over to radio. People view that as a demotion. I, do I don't either. I, don't. I know you don't, I, it, you know, but he it, does not. I he, know he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. And he I also, mean, I've never asked him about it, but if you go back one of the early shows um, here in the first season of cup of cubby blue in the off season, Len Casper joined Andy and I for an episode. It's a great episode. You should go back and listen to it. He talks about his favorite call being that Aramis Ramirez walk-off. And he talks about why, which is a really fun story to listen to. Um, but he also talks about growing up as a kid in Detroit and listening to radio calls and how important that was to him becoming a broadcaster. And I 100% appreciate that Len Casper wants to be a legendary broadcaster. And you do that by being the guy who calls World Series and by being the guy who is in the ears of everybody. And he wasn't going to be able to do that as long as Pat Hughes was calling those games for the Chicago Cubs and he knew it. So I think yeah. that is totally what I think he's being 110% honest there. And I hope that the relationship is solid enough that God forbid the day Pat Hughes retires, Len Casper can step into that job. Not to mention, he, he probably was, he wasn't feeling marquee in the freaking suits and ties that made him wear the first stupid year. <laughs> God, I mean, no, he wasn't feeling it. He's like, oh, you're going to like give me like Joe Girardi and Rick Sutcliffe every other day? No, you know, no. I'm Stop he's like, that. Stop with that. Yeah, he's like, he's like the, uh, you know, it was bad enough, you know, when I had to like do an interview with somebody who doesn't even care about baseball uh, to do the seventh inning stretch. You know, now, now you add like 60 different people in the booth and a bunch of different voices like that's not baseball marquee broadcast is horrific so well by the way the I, worst wait, I, call the worst call of all the calls you know radio pat hughes better on the morel homer um miguel way better uh on the on the morel homer uh their buds and he was going nuts you know boog not so good the worst the call Boog's, of all the cubs calls it's boog's best call though i mean Al talked about this in his recap on Bleed Cubby Blue, and I do think this is true. You're right that Boog's call relative to the other Cubs calls is not the best call, but if relative to Boog's walk-off call so far, this is his best one. He got into it. He he got into it. Like, he, he yelled, walk it off with the passion of a Cubs fan. Like, that was Boog's, Boog Shambi's best Cubs call. And I actually see progress there for Boog. Like, I'm excited about it. I'm like, oh, yay, Boog, you were acting like a fan. Good job. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, you're right that it can't top the Pat Hughes call and it can't, Miguel Esparza, y'all. Like, that was what, that's where we're going next. Baseball and Espanol, man. 
is the greatest thing. You do not need perfect Spanish for it. And there were two moments that highlighted this for me. One of them is Miguel Esparza's call. La Boto is the greatest call. I, I love it so much. It is powerful and wonderful. And I just, gracias, mi amigo. Like, I love it. Like, it's wonderful. But the second thing that happened in Spanish that night, and I highlighted this on my Twitter account. So if you're following me at BCB underscore Sarah, you've already seen it. Christopher Morell in the post game gets all the questions. Oh yeah, how are you doing this? Whatever. And, I, and if you've noticed, Christopher Morell has um, he'll answer some questions in English, but if he doesn't understand the question entirely, or he wants to add something that he doesn't know how to say in English, he has a translator right there for it. So he gets asked, "How do you calm down in that moment? Like, how do you how do you make sure that you can handle the moment?" I already knew the answer to this. And I actually saw it in the game. Like he gets two strikes on him. He steps back and he like kind of takes a moment. And I could picture him picturing Wilson Contreras right there, telling him to take a deep breath and then go back to do your thing. I, I knew it. Like we all, we all saw the moment. It went pretty viral last year, but Morel answers this question in Spanish. And he basically says, Wilson once told me be the eye of a hurricane in that moment, be the calm in the storm be yourself and just go up and do your thing. I about died, man. I was just like, now we know, because we knew Wilson had, and him had a relationship. We knew they had that moment. We knew all that. I'm like, but for him to credit Wilson in that moment, and it will never get flagged by the powers that be at Marquee Sports Network. Nobody else is telling this story. But I think we should all remember, as we watch Christopher Morell do incredible things, Wilson Contreras is a huge part of that. That dude is a mentor and friend to him. And I am just very grateful. And these are a few of my favorite things, Danny, like baseball in Espanol, Wilson Contreras, Christopher Morel walk-offs. I, I don't even know what to say. And then I have one more thing I want to highlight, but first I want your thoughts on baseball. Oh, oh the, well, on, on the, well, I got a couple things that I want to say. First of all, um, b what you're saying to me is that like Boog's, uh, T O P S plus is pretty good for that call, but his S O P S plus is a little lower compared to the actual people. Yeah. So, um, the, the other thing I have to say about the Wilson Contreras thing and getting credit for that, and he was always good in those moments. I feel like he could steady himself and, uh, block out a lot of those things. And the, the other part of that is that, uh, Joe Kilgallen was telling me on the way ride home that Steve C check. I can't even say, I still can't say his name. Steve Ciszek and Brandon Kinsler have a podcast now. And I listened to it. Yeah. And they were talking about Wilson Contreras, like when he got benched from catcher and they're, and they're like, I don't understand that at all. They're like, I love throwing to Wilson Contreras. Like he was intense. He got me into the game. Like, you know, he would come out there and, you know, and he's like, he's like, I thought he was great. And so that like, just, that's like a side note of like kind of, um, but you know, at the same time, the it was the Cubs that wanted to move on from that vibe. And like when you think about the overall thing of the team, this is the same thing that made them underestimate Christopher Morrell. Correct. This is the same. They're like, no, we're going to go with the bunch of travel ball boys who are just all like two win players. And we're going to go. We don't really need the extremes. Like, we're just going to go straight, like just a little better than average. We don't need, you know, the, the dude that's going to be all or nothing guy on the team. And that's how they viewed Morrell. And Morrell's proved them wrong because he's the one that's sitting there 
coming back from an 0-2 count and taking a walk sometimes or, or like, you know, not swinging at those crazy hobby pitches that he used to just go after, you know, and, you know, 0-2 was an automatic strikeout. Morell's not like that, and that's how they were, um, I think, uh, kind of quantifying his skills at that point, and it's uh, it's unfair. And, um, you know, there's um, – I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get turned in, into a Wilson thing, but it's so beautiful to have that be ingrained in Morel, you know, because you saw him do it, you know, what, like you described, you know, take a moment, breathe, take your time out. He was, oh, he, what, was it one and two when he hit it? I've, what was the it count? It was oh and two. Oh and two. Oh and two. Oh and well, Gregory Santos is dynamite like he threw a sinker at 100 that morel swung and missed on he threw a slider that like dotted the outside edge at 92 that morel swung and missed on oh no he was one and two you're right because there's a slider that went way out there was one yeah Yeah. one and two you're right that morel did not swing at which is why he went back with the 100 mile per hour sinker that morel pulverized oppo oppo yeah ball went to right center like, and okay, two things about that. I'm sorry. We might just go 45 minutes just on the Morel home run. And we could. Yes, we could. Y'all, the Royals are coming to town too. So that's the show. Today. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> so first off, the eye of the storm thing, back to that for one second. We all saw it. We all saw him try to take a moment. The White Sox TV broadcast. Jason Benetti says, it feels like the eye of a hurricane there for a second, right before Morel hits the home run. And I'm like, Literally, he could not possibly have known, and Morel could not have heard right. that. And like that is what Morel called. Like that's what he said in Spanish that got translated. That was the Wilson comment. I was like, ah, my mind is just like blown on all of these things. This is so incredible. The synergy coming together. But the call that I want to ha- highlight, we give Marquis a lot of grief for the multi-person boots, and Joe Girardi needs to stop talking sometimes because Jim Deshays doesn't talk when Joe Girardi talks and I want Jim Deshays to talk more. Um, But one of the things that Marquis has done real well, that pre post game show with like Cole Wright and Cliff Floyd is an awesome dynamic. And Cliff Floyd calling this thing in the post game show was unbelievably awesome because as Morrell comes sprinting around the bases, I've got the video and John boy has the video posted. I will send it to you right after the show, Danny, you have to see it. Morel's sprinting around the bases and he pulls his jersey off before he gets to home. And I remember thinking during the game, I was like, I'm not sure you can do that. Like, I'm fairly certain players are not allowed to remove their own uniform (laughs) on the (laughs) field of play. Like, I'm pretty sure this is some like MLB ticky tacky rule that's in like the CBA somewhere and that you could get fined for it or whatever. And Floyd's calling this and as Morel rounds the bases and he rips his jersey off, he says, can you do that? Can you take your jersey off? I don't know. Maybe. And then he starts talking about all this other stuff, but he is hyped, man. And as the shirt gets ripped off and Morel is standing there without his shirt on, Floyd's like, oh, look at that. God took his time on that kid. You got to have the body to do that. You better have the body if that happens. Every other guy in there wants his, wants his jersey back. Morel's just out there. Oh, look at that. I'm like dying, dying, Danny. It is the funniest, most from the heart, well done apps. And, and here's what I love about all these different calls that we're talking about here. They're all great. We have a wealth of riches in media in Chicago, right? Like I'm listening to Jason Benetti figure out 
the exact metaphor that is on Christopher Morrell's mind in the moment before the home run. I've got the history of Len Casper and the Cubs. I've got Miguel Esparza yelling, I can hear it from my couch, I swear to God. Like, I've got Cliff Floyd in the postgame as hyped as I have ever seen him and engaging with fans after. He, like, I, I mentioned that it was a great call. And he's like, oh, thanks. That's so great to hear. I'm like, dude, that's the real Cliff Floyd, like hanging out on Twitter, just like chatting with people about his call after the fact. We are very lucky. And if you have not taken a minute to like check out all this, all these different media options, the drone shots, all of it, you got to go do it. Like just spend a few hours just hanging out with the Morel walk off and all of the shots. I mean, there are things I haven't even talked about yet. The drone shot is great. Because you see Dansby Swanson absolutely just like race to second. He catches Cody Bellinger. So like Bellinger and Dansby practically cross the plate at the same time as Morell is literally flinging clothing off around, around the bases. And Clark, you know, Clark comes in with the W flag. Clark gets in with the W flag before Morell crosses home plate. And I'm sure somebody from MLB is like, actually, that shouldn't happen either. But nobody cares because it was beautiful and brilliant and i don't know if you can take your jersey off but whatever <laughs> go with it <laughs> yeah it was such an electric moment it's so good to kind of and you know that's the kind of you know, joe madden was talking about this last night um when they swept the giants uh, who were the champs and 2015 that, yeah and he goes that's when they all knew not that beating the white Sox is going to make you think but the the fact that you can be uh, down in a game and never quit, you know, that you hear that from all those teams, you know, that you got to actually win the games. Like we're in a soft spot in our schedule, but we lost the first game to the White Sox stupidly. It was not good. Uh, you know, it, the, you know, bad starting pitching again, um, you know, and it, even this one, like, you know, the Cubs bats disappeared in this game until the end of the game. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, God, we're just going to come home. We're going to lose two to the White Sox. That's really how it, it it just felt. But the fact that, you know, this team has been known to not really go with too many of the highs and lows. They're just going to come back out there. So even this Christopher Morrell home run, you know, instead of giving maybe giving them false confidence going into the Kansas City Royals series, I believe that they're going to kind of reset, buckle down, you know, come back. You lose to the White Sox. You just never quit, never quit, never quit, win the game. Okay, you're always going to believe in yourself. No matter who you're down to, you can always come back. You know, it's a game without a clock, or at least it was. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that part still doesn't have a clock. Like, you never run out of at-bats as long as you don't make it Thanks, out. Thanks, Rob Manfred. Yeah. Um, Madden <laughs> likes the clock, by the way. Madden likes the clock. But because the clock's in, he's like, all the other dumb rules need to go. He's like, now you don't need runner on second. Now you don't need all this other crap because you don't need three batter minimum. You don't need any of this stuff anymore. You could play the matchups how you want. You could change pitchers when you want. None of this dumb crap, you know, that. And I know a lot of us kind of like the three batter minimum because, like, the constant pitching changes is dead action. You know, you're just waiting for a guy to warm up and until you finally get going again. And um, he's like, but you don't need it. And he's right about that. You don't necessarily need it with the if you're going to do a clock. So he's like, so you could do the clock. He's like, then you're done with all this stuff. But anyway, you don't. This team believes that they have a chance as long as they still have an out. And that is valuable 
it's a valuable mindset to have when we've all seen teams that give up halfway through the game and give up more as the game goes on. So I love hearing Joe Madden's thoughts on that, by the way, because I I was kind of curious what he thought of that home run. I I imagine Joe Madden would have loved Christopher Morrell. I I will always remember how close him and Wilson were. And there's some great shots of the two of them um, over time. Uh, Madden was a former catcher. Wilson was kind of like his mentee in many ways. Like, and I, you know, I, I got into this a little bit at Bleed Cubby Blue earlier this week because I wrote this piece about the lineup and I was saying that Miguel Amaya really needs to play more. Like, I don't know what he is gleaning from Mike Napoli and David Ross on the bench, but I, whatever it is can't possibly be as good as what he would glean from actually catching major league baseball games. I'll point out that the team did not score until Tucker Barnhart left the game. So, dude, like, I, there should be no more Tucker Barnhart at bats. I'm sorry. Like, I understand that David Ross and Tucker Barnhart are like kindred spirits or something, but like, I, they even I cannot. Look the same. I cannot. Like, I, Miguel Amaya, it is Miguel Amaya's time, and those at bats need to be going to Amaya. But, um, and somebody in the BCB comments was like, well, Wilson didn't play that much when he first came up. And I'm like, Wilson was playing left field so his bat could stay in the lineup because Joe Madden understood how important it was to keep. Wilson's bat in the lineup and I actually went back and looked and I compared Miguel Amaya who came up earlier by the way in the season than Wilson did he came up in May went back and then came up again in June early June Wilson came up on Father's Day mid-June right so like had more time but I compared both of their rookie numbers from uh through August 15th and Miguel Amaya has 61% of the plate appearances that Wilson Contreras did as of August 15th in 2016. There's no reason for that. He is an above average hitting catcher. He is your best hitting catcher. And I'm not saying he should take Jan Gomes, like all of his job and plate appearances entirely, but I am saying it should be like a three to two split (laughs) and Amaya should be getting some DH bats too. Like, I, I just don't, you know, like, Obviously, Christopher Morrell needs to be your DH every day that he can do it. But give him a day off here and there. Amaya gets that at bat. Like, Morrell spells, you know, Nico at second or something. Amaya gets that day. Like, I just, Amaya is not getting the number of plate appearances that he needs to be what the Cubs need him to be in the future. And I think that is a problem. We are well, well, well overdue for a commercial break. Like, truly, I think we might come back from this commercial break and just keep talking about some of the broader Cubs things, but um, the Royals are theoretically coming to town. Uh, three game series, all day games kicking off at Wrigley Field uh, Friday afternoon. And we will kind of talk about that, but first a quick break from our sponsors and then maybe a little bit more about the Crosstown Classic. All right, we're back. Uh, Danny, I think I covered all the things I wanted to say with the exception of one. Um, and so I want to end on that, but anything you've got before we put the Crosstown Classic to bed for 2023? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I guess we win that stupid cup. <laughs> <laughs> we won one trophy this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, so. Piece cross- of metal. <laughs> Crosstown Cup comes north. I don't even know where it was before. I don't, because I don't care. Um, yeah, it, as far as, uh, you know, the the one loss goes, I'll say uh, that's, you know, I thought Hendricks pitched well in that, you know, the bats didn't do enough for the Cubs only scoring the three runs. Um, you know, I, I hated using Alzali in that situation. I thought that was dumb. I know we had the day off, but he, they've used him. And in fact, you know, I think we talked on the last show about how that 
our pitchers have taken on uh, like our, you know, Ross's circle of trust, your Merriweathers, your lighter juniors, your Fulmers, your Alzelais have taken all the innings. They're all up over 50 innings already. We got a month and a half of the season to go. And there you are, and you're trying to keep the game close. I get it, you know, um, and you're using your guys. But Alzali, that's your closer. And, you know, you didn't end up needing him the next night. It all worked out fine. But I just – I really dislike how they he's using this pen. Like, I, I – over – like, you're going to run out of steam with these dudes. Like, are Because you're going to ask them, especially with Stroman, by the way, still out. We did not mention that. Stroman has, like, a cartilage tear in his rib, and we're not going to see him. So now you're going to ask these bullpen dudes to do even more and more and more, and then you're just going to trot out your closer in a, in a game that you're not winning in the ninth. Like – I maybe you need the work. Maybe I mean I don't know what it is, but it's not the first time. It wasn't the first time this week that he had done that. We're putting out Alzali in a loss, and I'm like, what are we doing? And you know, I don't know. It's I, I, I it bothers me. That didn't bother me as much because it was like a one-two run game at that point in time, and I think you're just trying to keep the game close so that you can have a chance in the bottom of the ninth, but. I did just look at Alzali's innings and I, the thing that I had forgotten. So part of why it hasn't worried me is because he was a starter, right? Like in 2021, he threw 120 plus innings. So I'm not, it's not like Alzali can't throw 50 innings, but last year he only threw like 26 innings because he was hurt. And so he's coming off a season when he was hurt. 53 is probably fine. Like he's going to wind up right around like 70, 90 innings, something like that. But you want, like, that's a big workload for a reliever, and particularly one that's had injury issues in the past. So I, I hear you on that a little bit. Um, the last thing that I wanted to mention, <laughs> mostly because it's funny, but also because I felt bad for the dude. And, and I, I, this is part of why when I wrote the piece about the Morel walk-off, I had to include what Michael Fulmer did and what Nick Madrigal did too, because the walk-off doesn't happen if those two things don't happen earlier. Like, you're not in a position to walk off that game if those two wildly improbable things don't happen so when Michael Fulmer's post-game interview on Marquee they start with like yeah you know you had a great outing whatever and you can see like he knows he had a great outing like he knows what he did was nails and unbelievable and every question he gets is about Morrell and the home run and like at first Fulmer's kind of like yeah, man, he's been great for us. The energy, it's so good. Da, 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 da. By like the fourth time he's been asked about Morel, you can tell that he's like, I I struck out the heart of the order with the bases loaded yeah. on 11 pitches. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's the White Sox. <laughs> can I not comment on the home run again? Like, what if I talk about striking out Luis Robert on three pitches? <laughs> Nobody uh-huh. asked him about it. I felt so bad for the dude. I was just like, Man, Michael Fuller just like, and, and he's too polite to tell them, can we talk about what I did in the eighth inning? And also like clearly a little bit peeved that he's gotten five. What did you think of Morel question? <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I mean, that's, that's how the game ended though. You can't, yeah, you're, it's nice that you give him his due at least. <laughs> it was pretty funny, man. Yeah. All right. So the, this Royal series, I gotta say, Danny, just like the Mets series, just like the White Sox series, this screams trap to me. Like the Royals have been playing pretty good baseball 
Uh, old friend, former Cub Nelson Velasquez has been hitting home runs pretty much every day. Just like shows up, hits a home run, shows up, hits another home run. I'm excited to see Nelly back at Wrigley Field. I love him. He's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, pitching matchups looks like it's Cole Reagans, who was a trade, um, traded from the Tigers, I believe, as part of either the, I think it was the Chapman trade. I cannot remember. Might might have been somebody else in the Barlow trade. I, I, I honestly cannot remember. But Cole Reagans, interesting starting pitcher going up against Jamison Tyon. Today, we'll see if it's good Tyon or bad Tyon. Brady Singer and Justin Steele on Saturday. Jordan Lyles and Kyle Hendricks on Sunday. But this thing that the Cubs have been doing with like, we have so many off days, it's kind of okay that we only have four starting pitchers and we'll figure it out. They're not going to be able to do uh, with the schedule stretch coming up. They don't have all of those like two off days a week built in to their schedule. So you're absolutely right that the Stroman news is Pretty devastating. It sounds like Drew Smiley is going to get those starts for now, which, holy yikes. <laughs> I don't love that. Um, what do you see in these probable pitcher matchups? Um, well, one thing is that Drew Smiley, I think, did get the win. <laughs> during through one inning, yeah. Yeah. For, for Should have been the Fulmer, man. Yeah. Like, I, I know. know he didn't have the lead, but, like, come on. Yeah, man of the match is what they need so that they vote on it or something Seriously. like that. The um. Yeah, I mean, working backwards, the only one guy I've really heard of is Jordan Lyles, who it's because he's been around for forever. Um, but he's at the end of his career. Um, he's been up for, he, you know, he started with Houston when he was 20. I didn't know that was legal. <laughs> like his Cubs never <laughs> use, never use a guy until they're like, you know, okay, you're 26 years old. You might have be mature enough to be a Cub, even though we're literally a team named after baby bears. But, um, the, yeah, Jordan Lyles not having a good year with Kansas City. He's got an ERA up in the the sixes this year. Yeah, so. they, they've struggled with pitching all year. Well, yeah, they're the Royals. I mean, they're the worst team. I mean, you've got to rack up these wins. You just got to, you know, just sweep the Royals. Easy peasy. Don't worry about it. Sweep the Royals. Don't, you know, and I, and I do believe they can do that, even if it is like Tyone and – going out there and stealing who would you say is pitching Sunday steel will win probably if the bats show up Hendo. Kyle Hendricks yeah. is pitching on Sunday I'm feeling good about the whole you win today you sweep that's my opinion you win today you sweep I, this is the only and this is the only game I'm going to of course so uh if we lose it's my fault and I apologize well I will be at this game and I'll also be uh, at Saturday's game because um, Saturday is the Lynn Bramer tribute game, tribute day that the Cubs are doing. And I'm writing that up for Bleed Cubby Blue. But I'm also, I mean, really just, it's going to be nice to spend a day sort of wandering around Gallagher Way, talking to people about their favorite memories. They've got a whole thing planned during the day. Um, they'll have vendors out at Gallagher Way. All of uh, the proceeds from things will benefit uh, Lynn's favorite charities. Um, they're going to do stuff during the game. And then uh, I think there's a tribute concert at the Metro um, at seven o'clock at night. Uh, I do not have tickets to that. I, I'm not making it a full day. I'm just doing the game and the Gallagher way stuff. But um, yeah, they have a, they have a Metro tribute concert on at Saturday, Saturday night and should be, should be a nice day to remember one of Chicago's greats. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Lynn, you know, obviously a huge part of the city. Um famous dj radio dj they don't make radio djs like that anymore it's like yeah. a thing of the past they don't make radio like they used to 
Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I do have a question for you because uh, how many – Nelson Velasquez, uh, who we just traded to the Royals, and I know you and I are big Nelly V fans. Like, we were at that game together when he hit that grand slam, and, and we all jump-hugged and were just so amazed. And I was really sad to see him go you know, from this team. And I understand that like, maybe they don't have a place for him in the future, but I think that was a huge mistake in the same way that they didn't bring up, um, that they didn't bring up uh, Chris Morrell, but the dude in seven games with Kansas city with the chance to play four home runs already in 23 at bats. So how many home runs is Nelson Velasquez going to hit against Cubs pitching this weekend? Over under 17. <laughs> okay, under 17. 17. But like point five. Sorry, you need a point five. <laughs> I mean, he might hit a couple. He might he might kind of go Pete Alonzo a little bit. And frankly, as long as the Cubs win the baseball game, I'm here for it. I think that Nelson Velasquez is the perfect example of the type of player that I feel like Theo's Cubs would have found a spot for and a way to promote earlier. Um, and Jed's Cubs don't have room for this dude. And yeah. I it drives me crazy because, he, uh, yeah, I get it. The strikeout numbers are a little high. The power potential is unbelievable. And, yes, you might be committed to, like, Ian Happ in left and say a Suzuki in right. But, like, are you telling me the Cubs couldn't have used a guy who can hit that many home runs in a short burst in their outfield where the only guy who really consistently hits for power is Cody Bellinger. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, and even with Cody Bellinger hitting for power and Chris Morrell leading the team in homers, I believe still um, with 20. I don't, it, it, was it just 20? I think that, that might be 20. I, well, so there's like three guys with like 19, I think. Yeah. And w one of them's belly. One of them's uh, freaking wisdom who only hits home runs. And Dude, uh, can I tell you the wildest thing about Patrick wisdom from, well, I think we talked about this on the last show. So I'm, it's just repeat for, uh, for people, but like Patrick wisdom ISO is like hall of fame level power. Like the dude is sandwiched between Joe DiMaggio and Willie Mays on the career ISO all time list. It is wildly impressive. Now that is the only statistic that Patrick Wisdom is on any kind of like all-time leaderboard for. So don't, you know, Patrick Wisdom is not going to the Hall of Fame, but it is no. worth noting that the power is prodigious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it, he obviously doesn't bring a whole lot uh, defensively to the game, but he is leading the team with 20 home runs. But even a team like the Royals, you know, they've got, uh, they lead us, Bobby Witt their shortstop 23 home runs. Like, so they've got some guys like, I, I hope that we don't play down. That's been the fear. You know, we didn't, didn't show up in that first game against the white Sox and didn't show up in most of the second game against the white Sox. So like we didn't show the offense was not there. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, a beautiful weekend against the Royals at Wrigley changes that. And we put up some crooked numbers because it's possible against Royals pitching. So don't screw around and like, let's win the games we're supposed to win. Um, then you go to Detroit, then you go to Pittsburgh, which by the way, I'll be at the Sunday Pittsburgh game. So if you're nice. at there, come find me and say hi. I don't know. Um, but you know, you've got these teams that you're supposed to beat before you get to Milwaukee. And you know, then you're playing Milwaukee at home. And I would love 
to be in first place at that point and have Milwaukee chasing us. So, you know, the Dodgers taking care of business against Milwaukee. We're still – are we in the playoff picture? I don't think so, right? Did we sneak uh, in? Give me one with second. The, with the I am not sure. I have not looked this morning. We were last um, I looked, we were on the outside looking in. I still, think there was but... like a multi-team tie, basically. We're in right now. Yeah, we're in um, right now. So by we per- are by one we are in by the bare the barest of margins, one loss fewer than the Reds and the Marlins, uh, who must have lost last night. Um but Arizona's the barest right of margins. And Arizona's yeah. right there, which who we have not played yet yeah no we have all of so this is what's so crazy about the Cubs schedule and one of the things one of the reasons that I think they actually might uh play some playoff baseball if they wind up pulling this off they have a bunch of games left against the Reds they have a bunch of games left against the Brewers they have three games left against the Giants at Wrigley they have a bunch all of their games left against Arizona, right? I mean, they all of the teams that the Cubs are going to play in September are basically the teams they need to beat to get well, into the playoffs. San Francisco, it is going to be a wild, wild September of baseball at Wrigley Field. Yeah, and San Francisco on top of it. Can we play them still? And Yes. And, and um, you know, so I don't I got, really know what me, we're talking about with this. Like, I mean, maybe the next week is soft-ish, uh, but you know, after that, no, that's what's soft. The yeah. next, like this period right here is soft. And then it gets super intense. I had a chance to join Marty Lurie, a giants pregame guy on Sunday. And we were both fired up that these giants Cubs games are going to be as important as those games. Joe Madden was talking about. And I remember those games in 2015. The second you said that series, I was like, Oh, I remember that series, I, I, one of my dearest friends, Sam Haley Hill, I don't know if you listen to the show or not, but if you do, shout out, my friend, um, is a huge Giants fan. And the first game of that series, I was sitting in the bleachers and he texted me and was like, and so it begins. And he, we were kind of like doing like the trash talk back and forth and whatever. And I was like just praying that the Cubs would take two of three. But that might have been a four game series. Am I wrong about that? I, I, I want to say it was series. a four-game series, yeah. And I just wanted them to win two. I wanted it to be even. Like, I, I didn't want them to get to, you know, to to lose ground. And they took all four, and I was like, oh, my God. I actually felt bad for Sam. I was like, well, looks like it's it's an even – it's not an even year. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't be believing this year. No, that's – and, you know, it's, it's moments like that, and we've talked about how, you know, you – open the show with how amazing the fans have been at Wrigley field and it, and we're right there. There are people, you know, paying a lot of money to be in there right now. They're, um, you know, the fans are, are right there ready to embrace this new crop of Cubs, uh, Cubs greats. You know, we have Dansby for a long time, you know, you're, you're locked up Hap and Horner and they're like, okay, these are the guys, you know, you got say for three more years, you know, you got, you know, you're, you're on expiring contracts with Stroh and Bally. So you're like, okay, here's, here's our mini window. Let's we're, we're with it. You know, the fans are ready to support this team, you know? And so I, I really do think that we have a chance based upon that. The players are feeling it, that this is a new thing for them. Uh, talking to Joe about this last night, um, you know, that the fact that all the, all the fans, they, or all the players, they say, 
you know, that the fans are the 10th man on the field for them. The You know, they all say it. And you heard it from your apartment. And so we're there, we're waiting, we're ready, we're, we're you know, you got Bleacher Jeff crying about his playoff tickets on tw- on Twitter, you know, already, <laughs> you know, people are ready, you know, people are ready. It is you know. time. Uh, speaking of time, it is time for us to close out the show. But Danny, where can people find you while the Cubs try to keep it rolling against the Royals this weekend at Wrigley? Well, you can find me in the bleachers this afternoon. Um, I'll be out there sitting with Matt Kammerer, our good artist cub fan friend and um yeah and then um i'm playing actually a, a bleacher bone band's playing tomorrow night it's a huge cub fan birthday party a couple hundred people out in lafayette indiana that's gonna be wild and then uh sunday we'll be on the sun ranto show talking about it all at 8 p.m central time so we'll be live and hanging out and having a great time and actually this is a great time i'll put you in the spot Hey, Sarah, you want to come on the Sun Ranto show? Because IFG is unavailable. So uh, we got no <laughs> IFG, but why don't I'm, I'm in. I'm in. All right, cool. So Sunday night, may, maybe uh, maybe we'll we'll uh, make you take a spin of the bitch clock. <laughs> Dude, I was born for the bitch clock. I know you were. So we, My last bitch clock on, was epic. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we'll have you on. We'll have a whole – we'll have the uh, Sun Ranto Patreon ranters all uh, give us Sarah Sanchez-specific topics because <laughs> I know there's a lot of listeners that listen to Sun Ranto and the show and know things that might set you off, and that's what will be on the, the wheel. <laughs> Here for it. Here for it. Uh Sticky Yachty better be on the wheel. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can find me and hopefully a great bitch clock uh, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Danny at Sunranto. You can find both of us hanging out at Wrigley Field. This weekend's going to be a wild, amazing weekend of playoff contention, Cubs baseball at the greatest ballpark on earth. Till next time.